Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Light for your approval. Another dimension. Light for your shadow. Another dimension. Light for your shadow. Another dimension. Light for your shadow. Another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into a wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. I'm your host, Babawit, and each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone, and this is the first stop at 2020's Season 2, Episode 9, Try, Try where I got the chance to discuss the entire episode with the director, Jen McGowan. I I have watched it a a couple times, and I I have noticed a a lot of interesting little details. Oh, good. Maybe, I think. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, right off, I'm going to say that I I love the episode. And really watching it several times really did bring out a lot of extra details that that really impact um, improve the viewing experience. Oh, that's really wonderful to hear. I, I, I mean, I, I really loved it. And um, I felt I was given such a fantastic script to work with and, you know, we got such great talent. It was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, so let me ask you at, at one point in the prod in the process, did you come into the, the twilight zone? Cause I, I know that TV series have different, um, you know, they they have many different directors and, and this being an anthology series that brings a whole different set of circumstances to it. It does. And um, let's see, I think I was interviewed, um, I want to say it was December. It may have been uh, even earlier than that. It may have been between Thanksgiving and and Christmas. And then I shot uh, from what well, we shot uh, in January, in January, 2020, it was the last thing that I did before, uh, you know, work shut down because of COVID. Was the script there already? And um... it was, and you know, that was, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, it's different in television and every type of television is different. Every show is different because Twilight Zone is anthological, you know, it's really cool for the directors because you're kind of getting your own little movie, you know, Um, the script, I don't know about the other episodes, but for try, try the script did exist um, when I got to interview for it and I was able to read it. And that was great because I was super excited about it and I loved it. And, um, you know, I was able to talk specifically to the script and what I could bring to it. um, Which is not always the case, you know, sometimes you, you don't get to read it in advance. And and what was it especially about this the script that spoke to you? Um, I love the characters. I love the idea, and I love that the idea was tight. I could tell that the writer was incredibly smart, um, and he is much much smarter than I, which <laughs> the writers usually are. Um, but Alex Rubens, who was awesome. And, um, you know, it worked and that that's, as I'm sure you probably know better than anyone, that's hard in time travel um, material. Sometimes it breaks down. Um, and I didn't feel that in this. Um, 
uh, although you can tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. And um, so that was exciting. Also, from a directing standpoint, the challenge of the material was actually quite big. It's a very simple episode. It's essentially two people walking and talking for 40 minutes. That's really hard to pull off as a director. And to me, that was exciting. I was, I was like, I can, I know I can do this. And I knew I could do it because I'd done it uh, in a similar, I had done that similar thing before on a much shorter time frame. Um, but I, I felt like I could do it, but there was still definitely a challenge there that was exciting. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, and I do love the fact that it is two people and that it's, it's the time loop from a perspective that we don't usually get to see because it, their focus is really on the person that's outside of the time loop rather yes. than the person that's inside of it. Yeah. And, and that uh, was, that was a funny thing to kind of get our heads around too, like for the talent and I, um, because you're right, that is, is different than what we normally see. And uh, one other thing that I, that I noticed a lot, which, which I really loved it is you played a lot with uh, focus and having the background and uh, different characters in and out of focus a lot. Uh, what was, what was your reasoning behind a lot of that? So I have to think back to January. Um, as a matter of fact, while we're talking, I'm going to bring up my, uh, my, my kind of master document. <laughs> so I don't forget anything. Um, what I was trying to do, and this goes back to what we were just talking about, you know, when you, when you're making any type of film or television, uh, you communicate through change over time. Right. So that's change of visuals over time, change of performance over time, change of sound, whatever, whatever, whatever. And um, there's only so many tools you have to work with. And when you when you're talking about two people walking around, you have even fewer tools. Um, so, you know, the changes become more apparent and more noticeable you know, can, can sometimes go wrong, <laughs> really. Um, but what I was trying to do specifically with the focus, I focused very much on whose point of view it was and what was the particular element that they were looking at at that moment. Um, there were books that appeared throughout the, throughout the show that were relevant. Um, there were, for example, in the beginning when um, Claudia is looking at Mark, and assessing him, it was important to me that she was not looking at his mouth the whole time. You know, she was listening, but she was looking elsewhere to judge what she was hearing. Um, so, you know, like that, that would dictate where the focus goes in that, in, in an example like that. Yeah, I also got the impression, you know, at, in times whenever we're uh, put a bit more into Mark's point of view, that it, that for him, nothing else in around him mattered except for Claudia and himself. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. And and what I wanted to play with, and I hope and think I achieved, was that our allegiance to Mark and our sympathy for him shifts over time. Yeah, there's a, a definite uh, shift in throughout the episode and. Like, I, I really love the the one part. And I think really in my favorite shot of, of the episode is whenever he starts 
just rattling off all these things that he knows about Claudia and the camera does the the rotating around and and that's really the the point in like the pivotal point in the episode where everything turns and everything gets just so much darker absolutely and that's an example of where I wanted to clearly communicate that to the audience this is a change this is a, a shift and I also wanted the audience to feel what Claudia was feeling which is this is like the whole world is shifting around me. What is going on? This is not what I expected or understood. And this is kind of scary. Yeah. And so it's really fun when you come up with a shot that like exhibits all this, it's not possible all the time, you know, and, and sometimes that's not what you want to do, but when you can find a shot that, you know, does all of those things at once, it's exciting. Yeah. And, and I love the, the addition of, um, you know, the sun going behind the cloud so that it, it also physically gets darker for a moment too. So good. So good. And that was written in the script. That was written <laughs> in the script. And it's so wonderful when those details are in the script because that's, you know, that's a, a writer thinking visually, thinking cinematically and giving me something really fun to work with. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the, the books and uh, in, in a podcast format like this, it, it is... Uh, I do like to to uh, focus on some of those little details, and I did try to to get the titles of all the books, which some of them are are hard to catch. I think uh-huh. so that um, going in chronological order based on the flashbacks. I think the uh-huh. first book that he's holding, I, I think it says the Misfit. That could be right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to trust you on this. I don't remember. <laughs> I know what the um, thinking behind it was. I don't know what the results were. And then I think the second one that was really hard to, to read, but I, I want to say that my best guess was it's a, it was the con specifics. I, I, I wasn't sure if it said conspiracies, but I think it said con specifics, which that's, that means like a, a group within the same species. Right. I am checking right now to see if I have notes on this because I know what we were talking about. I know that we were talking about subtle shifts because we didn't want it to be distracting, um, but we did want it to be there kind of like a little Easter egg. I know that we came up with books that did not exist. Um, let me see if I can, if I can find. Yeah, I know that the two that we, we can see fairly clearly is is the third book in that um, that sequence of flashbacks whenever he accidentally pushes her into the truck, and that's mm-hmm. the portable Yanofsky. Right, which... right, that's right. That's right. And that was the other thing. There was that element of kind of pretentiousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and not only that, but intellectualism. that's... Yeah. And, and that's also foreshadowed earlier in the episode because he quotes Yanofsky and that's, that's right. one of the early details that, <laughs> you know, gets him in with Claudia. And yeah. then the, the other one, the one that he's carrying around through that on the day is Lords of Imbecility. Yes. And the other thing was about like how he can signal with the books, you know, um, because, you know, she saw that book earlier. Maybe that would have been the thing. Um, Because every time he try, obviously with the title, try, try, every time he tries, he, he tries a slightly different tact or angle or detail. Um, You know, as he says later on, this is, he's lived this eternally. 
Yeah, I also love just the the little detail, like the other montage when he he's just going through the various names of the masks. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because the name, like he doesn't, all the names are so similar to each other. It's like Bob Bob Johnson and then Bob Thompson. <laughs> Yeah, like he just changes it so subtly, which I love because that communicates that he's done this so many times. He's narrowed it down into this really fine distinction, you know, rather than uh, lots of of uh, difference between them. Um, and you know, Topher was amazing with that. That's right in his wheelhouse of of uh, you know comedy to play with, and I I really enjoyed working with him. I thought it was fantastic all throughout. Yeah, interesting I, I, because it's a little it's a little surprising. Yeah, because he he does this, you know, he he plays the awkward nerd, nice guy so well. You yeah. know, it's coming from all his years spent as uh, Eric Foreman on that '70s show, mm-hmm. and and even to a lesser extent, you know, his um, his turn at at the villain in Spider-Man Three, which didn't work out too full, too well for him. But I I think that. <laughs> Hey, that that is, I think he brings something interesting to that role. And I think that he brings a similar energy to this role, but this mm-hmm. really is written so much better that it works, that it's, it brings it out of him that much better where you get to see the, the villainous side where, and, and the backstory I, I do wanna, at the same yeah. time, you get to see the character development backstory and each of them, that was another fun thing. I felt like the script provided each of these characters, lots of rich information, but also room to play and room to, you know, fill, fill stuff in on their own and make it their own. What happens with a lot of uh, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone is the, the social commentary. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, of course, want to bring up like my my perspective is that it's this um, nice guy toxic masculinity, yes. where and the sense of entitlement where you know he's being he's the nice guy so that that's means right he's entitled that, um what's, yeah. what what's the problem I'm doing all the things I'm the nice guy <laughs> that's right absolutely so um, was there anything else that that you wanted to bring out with with that in mind I will tell you that 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 kind of comes out in little teeny ways. You know, it comes out a lot in the editing of, you know, for example, when things are falling apart um, right before the chase, um, you know, the, the pacing of the editing, that's connected to how she's feeling, how stressful she is feeling, you know, the size of the shots, how we're closing in on her and um, cutting off her options for escape. Um, all those things. And, th- and that goes back to the theme, which is this good guy, toxic masculinity, but from her perspective, you know, which, which we don't always see. And that's, that's something that was really fun to me too, to play with that um, and to work with the actress on that. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the, the um, you know, removing her means of escape. And there, there is one um, close-up shot after they get out of the canoe where they leave the book and she leaves her phone. Yeah. And, and I, I've listened to a couple episodes where people discussed it and, and a lot of people don't quite understand the, the importance of that right away, which I, I do think it is more subtle, but I, do, I got the, the impression that that is, you know, that's her leaving her phone there 
that is one less method of escape that she has. Like that's, uh, she's not able to use her phone to call for help, even though they are in a public place. They're in, they're somewhat isolated because it's not a, a very busy. That's absolutely right. And, and I'll tell you a funny behind the scenes story about that, actually. That is the one shot that the writer and I went back and forth about. I didn't want to include it um, because my feeling was if we put it there, we're drawing attention to the thing that I don't want people to be thinking about. Um, but we shot it in case we needed to clarify it in case later we got to the end and audience was like, well, why didn't you just use her phone? Um, because the logic was, yes, she indeed did leave it there. Um, and, and other ways uh, that was reinforced, for example, is, I don't know if people pick up on this, but, but anytime you see them moving, they're going down. They're going down and they're going away from people. So there's more background in the beginning than there is at the end. There's more, you know, constricted space at the end than there is at the beginning. And every time they walk, they always walk downwards. Um, Because again, that's what I was trying to do is isolate them. And and have that be believable in a public Mm -hmm. space. You know, if you're in the bowels of, of a museum with like the one exhibit that nobody goes to, that's kind of isolating. Yeah. I I also love a lot of the the other just little subtle details that that pops out that like the little callbacks. Um like it, even early on whenever uh, Claudia is uh, dictating in her phone and she's looking at the masks, she's asking, you know, are they terrifying or are they funny? Yeah. For which that, that also applies to Mark uh throughout and and she uh calls him a memorizer. Um which is also very appropriate for someone stuck in a time loop because that's the only thing that they can bring with them. Um, I, I did want to ask about um, Groundhog Day, of course, because you know mm-hmm. I, I spent you know the past couple months really digging oh, into to Groundhog Day. You're going to be the expert on that, then. <laughs> so, but but yes, <laughs> go ahead. Because uh, this, I I mean I I love this, especially coming straight from Groundhog Day because this feels like very much like um, Bill Murray's first date with Rita whenever he's trying to, <laughs> to get everything right and right. then it fails and then he gets slapped 11 times or seven times in a row. Right. And the, this is like the, an alternate universe where this is how it could have, could have gone very wrong. But I've also noticed that there's a lot, lot more time loop stories out there and there's often, they often reference Groundhog Day within the text. Was that sure. a conversation of whether or not to to add the line? You know, this is just like Groundhog Day or some variation of that. You know, it's it's a really good question, and I do believe uh, I think there may have been a reference in a draft that that felt too. Um, I believe the discussion was about it wouldn't have existed in our in our universe, you know, in our Twilight Zone universe. And I think that's why the reference was taken out. But there definitely was a back and forth of that. And it, it one draft, there was something in that re- referenced it specifically. I, I don't recall what it was. I um, think he made a joke or something, something, some cynical joke about it. Well, there there is there is uh, two lines that. I think it could almost be a very subtle reference to Groundhog Day because at one part, 
at one point, Mark tells Claudia, I love you. And Claudia says, you don't know me. And that, that's the same lines that, that happens in Groundhog Day whenever, during the first date, the, 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 where Bill Murray fails and gets slapped. Well, that's, I'll tell you what, if that is the exact same line, I didn't know it, but I guarantee the writer put it in there intentionally. There's, there's not a word that this writer does unintentionally. I think going back again to the, the toxic masculinity, I, I think there's also the element of consent and implied consent yeah, that, definitely. that happens a lot within this because it, I'm, I know there is explicitly the, whenever um, Mark brings up that at one point, Claudia did tell him that she loved him and she has that great speech where she's like, what does that mean? No backseas anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, there's so much, you can tell when it was written, you know, like this is what our culture has been thinking about, you know, for a couple of years now, thankfully. Um, And that's the other thing that was really appealing to me about this is yes, clearly we're talking about uh, a, an issue, you know, but it's weaved in and it's layered. And I think there's lots of different ways that depending on what perspective you come from, um, at what point your sympathy shifts. I do also like the, the discussion the two of them have with the sculpture, with the, the bird and the clamshell, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, he had yeah. clearly- well, There are two different pages. Yeah, they're they're so far from each other. But not only that, I I'll, I love how he basically dismisses her point of view. Yes, and so much of so much of his point of view in this story is him thinking that she's a perfect match for him, but he's not. He's manipulating her, but he's also manipulating himself. Yeah. And he doesn't, it doesn't even occur to him whether he's a perfect match for her or not kind of. And, and that the other thing I remember thinking about a lot, um, especially in the edit was women are going to key to this much sooner likely than men. So that was, I was very mindful of that. Like, you know, who's going to feel what at what point in time, because it's a very different perspective for each. Yeah. And, and I did watch this uh, the first time with, with my wife and, and daughter and she's 14. Oh, how did and, that go? I'm so curious. Uh, they, they really liked it, but they, they also, you know, they, I, I can't give you like exact timing, but they, mm. they definitely, you know, whenever I think before it explicitly before the explicit turn, yeah. They were definitely like, this is, this is creepy. He's really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's perfect. That's actually what I, that's exactly what I was going for. Was great. there anything else that, that you wanted to talk about, uh, about your experience with, with Try Try and with the Twilight Zone? Um, oh, I, I did want to mention, uh, just mention that I, I love how diverse um, the, this new series of yeah. Twilight Zone was and yeah how that definitely felt like it was a conscious effort to bring in more actors and directors and, and writers of, of yeah. color and, and uh, gender. Yeah. And I think it's, it's definitely, it paid off well for them. Um, I think 
you know, the, pro the, the tricky thing with, you know, changing systems is that unless you are making a change consciously and, you know, intentionally, the default is whatever the system is. Um, and I, you know, it's absolutely a mandate of monkey paw. And thankfully at the time, uh, and I, I don't, I don't know that it's changed, but thankfully of, of CBS, um, because they recognize the value of that. Um, and that's great for casting. That's super exciting as a filmmaker to be like, awesome. I get the whole world of actors to play with. Um, and, and that's, that's great. Is it Kylie Bunbury? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. I, I did want to mention her because she, she was fantastic too. And, and, and I don't yeah. think that we, we mentioned her name. We've, I know we mentioned Topher Grace because uh, he's the more well-known, but yeah, Kylie Bunbury she she was fantastic she played the the entire range from you know the the distracted college college woman that's just you know falling for this guy that seems like a nice guy into yeah. getting creeped out by him and and then you know going full turn and yeah you know, becoming the strong woman and taking him out yeah um, but, you know, I, I'd like to, to thank you for spending the time to talk with me. I, it was a real pleasure to talk, talk with you. Absolutely. Was, uh, is there anything else that, that you wanted to, to talk about? Any um, upcoming projects you have or uh, I know? Well, it's funny. I actually have an upcoming time travel movie, but I can't talk about it just yet. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, I hope we get to talk about that in the future. But um, no, I just look, I, I'm really happy that you reached out to me and to be here and to talk about work that I love. And it sounds like you love and hopefully your audience loves. Um, it's a real pleasure and privilege to get to work on shows like the twilight zone i loved it. i i haven't watched um all of this the second season yet but i i watched the first season and and i really enjoyed it and you know I, i'm going to be talking about a uh, replay from that uh, season as well or i guess whenever this comes out if i go chronologically i will have already talked about <laughs> replay but yeah that's it's great. I'm I'm a little disappointed that you know they they decided to end it, but it I know, it sounds like that I I did read stories that it sounded like that they did make the decision to end it that and not that they were canceled because it was unpopular and everything that I've heard it seems like this this series was was quite popular. There there were a few episodes that not everybody enjoyed, but I think more there were more episodes that people enjoyed than not that's that's good to hear i i didn't know some of that and i'm i'm look all you want when you make something is to reach an audience um that you connect with and that appreciates the work yeah well i i think you you did that with with try to try like, like i said i i really loved it and i've i've watched it you know i think three times now and as well as you know, kind of looking at it with a fine tooth comb, where I'll, I'll yeah, rewind yeah. it a bit just to to try and pick up all the little details. And every time I did, it's like I, I wasn't disappointed. If there was something else there, that's so um, wonderful to hear. Actually, I did just um, think of one other thing that mm. I was curious about. That the sculpture that they were talking about, I am. Is, was that something that um, that was made specifically for the show, or was that based on an existing piece of art? 
Are you talking about the sculpture that they were standing in front of when he drops the gum? Bird with the clamshell and the Oh, the, the bird with the clamshell. Yeah. No, no, that's there. It, it's actually a very famous, um, famous piece of art. Um, and, you know, we were in this beautiful um, museum of, of uh, indigenous art in Vancouver, and there's a, a piece there. The, sure. the sculpture was called the, is called The Raven and the First Men by Bill Reed. Um, and it's at the UBC Museum of Anthropology in Vancouver, which is where we shot. Um, we shot there, uh, I, I believe we shot a couple of nights. We shot there and we also shot um, up the street also on the campus for the exteriors. And we had to deal with some snow issues, which was surprising. <laughs> I apologize. I, I keep I keep remembering uh, different things. Um, yeah, please. But the, the, there was one other, um, like the the gum that he drops. That um, since yeah. you mentioned the the gum, uh, I noticed that that was Glee gum, which is, and, and I looked it up, and it's because uh, it's it's not. Uh, it's not a brand that I'm familiar with. Uh, right. Me living, spending most of the time in the Midwest, and right now I'm in the Atlanta area. Uh, but I guess it's uh, you know plant based, plastic free. It was that was that a conscious decision to to use that gum? As... I have to admit that it was not my conscious decision, but I have no doubt it was the conscious decision within the art department. And yeah, because I, I feel like that really, it just adds to the whole, you know, nice guy, the, and leaning into the, the whole, you know, cancel culture, like, you know, it's uh, one step away from being like, look, it's, it's plant free, no plastic. It's, <laughs> I mean, the reason I liked it was because of the way it looked, but mm -hmm. I imagine that the art department, uh, you know, was aware of all that as well. And, and that uh, that's also like another early slight hint towards Mark not being the nicest guy because, you know, right. most people, if somebody drops, even if it's something as small as a pack of gum, your first instinct is to say, oh, hey, you dropped this and give it back to them, not, mm -hmm. hey, free gum. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because all those little things, you know, between the actors and myself have to modulate how much do we want this to hit? How much do we want people to key at these particular moments? Or does that just become one of many details that people add up later? Um, so again, that's, you know, that's why these actors were perfect for this. Yeah, and you know, it, it's, I think it's a, it's a sign of, of good art if, if it can be picked apart and still hold up just under scrutiny. I think so too. Uh, but, but yeah, I, you know, once again, I'd, I'd like to, to thank you for joining me today. And, uh, you know, you've, you've been generous with your time and you've been a, a real pleasure to talk to. And, and you've given me a lot of insight in, into the episode. Well, thank you very much for having me. And, and, you know, thank you for watching that you are who we make it for. And as always, this has been Bubble Wheat and you can find me at flightsitesandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubweet. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, and you can join and uh, comment on episodes as they come out, as well as have discussion about 
time loop movies and stories in general. And until next time, I will be right here, trapped in the Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Light for your approval. Another dimension. Light for your shadow. Another dimension. Light for your shadow. Another dimension. Self. Light for your shadow. Another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. My name's Claudia. Right. Right, yeah, no, right on. Uh, do you want some gum? Why do I need gum? No, just thought that... You might like some.